is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 3-0. Landon Donovan. There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross. And Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. And exhale, boys. The U.S. has made it into the knockout rounds among the last 16 countries in the world to compete for the World Cup. It's FUVFC. It is the first day of December of 2022. I'm not going to lie, we're all a little bit tired, all a little bit groggy. We've got Group F right now playing for their lives. We've got Croatia versus Morocco on one TV, and then James Burley in studio is lending us Canada. Oh, pause. Croatia versus Belgium on one TV, Canada versus Morocco on James's laptop. Keenan Troy, James Burley, Nick Guzman, Michael Hernandez, we're all mic'd up, ready to talk about what has been a thrilling World Cup through the group phase so far, boys, how are we? I'm doing so well. We've got essentially a watch-along going on right now, a little bit. Yeah, this is great. We got the two games on. Um, Tuesday was the greatest day of my life, or one of. It was just so satisfying. What a, what a miserable existence. That I is. know, dude. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. Still was. They. I mean, me too. <laughs> after all, we've, we've talked about this team for so long, missing in 2018. It just seemed like that all kind of culminated in in that one moment and it was just so so exciting to see us just advance and and we got a date with the netherlands on saturday and it's knockout knockout soccer who knows what can happen yeah um it's 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 definitely gone better than we all expected undefeated in the group stage for the u.s through to the round of 16 and a, a tough team in the netherlands on saturday but a winnable game nonetheless i mean i think we're all excited and we're all happy we're all relieved exhale was the first word you used Keenan I think that described everything perfectly because it was a relief that we got to where we needed to go and now that we're there um, now it's time to start inspiring people let's do some damage in the round of 16 what do you say yeah I mean obviously you know it was a great result uh, to get out of the group Um, and yeah I'm just happy that you know it's the world cup Uh, I wasn't originally supposed to be on a mic but uh, here we are so yeah well boys it's only fitting that we start with the U.S. because Nick you said it we've been Praying to get to Qatar, and then once we qualified for Qatar, we were speculating. We had the group draw. We all, you know, three of us and Michael, even though Michael pretends he doesn't care about the U.S. team, but now is somehow a fanboy. I've always been a fan. I don't know what you're talking about. He doesn't watch CONCACAF qualifying, but he's a fan. Yeah, okay. But since we saw that group draw, we knew it would be, you know, a tough one that even on, you know, maybe on paper you think the U.S. could muster through this group and get out and they did but there are a lot of questions to be asked after that Wales game seemingly resolved after that England game and then that Iran game was the ultimate test as well 
you know, just because of how much was on the line. The early goal from Pulisic, and then, you know, let's be honest, parking the bus the entire second half. I think that, you know, we've been super critical of Greg Berhalter on this podcast, me especially, as we watch a Croatia free kick here from Luka Modric. Penalty. 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 Oh, I, I, listen, I'm on like a... It's a tough angle. Oh, oh the angle I'm is on, bad I, for I'm you. I'm oh, on wait, a, it's a VAR check. Though. Oh, it's Anthony a, Taylor. Who pretty, is probably <laughs> pretty sure call. that this goal would, would see with a lot... If, if Croatia scores this penalty, that would put the live standings uh, Belgium behind Morocco. So Belgium might be out. We'll get to Belgium in a minute, boys, but we've been super critical of Don Berhalter on this podcast I think there's still questions to be asked in terms of how he's managing this team. I think that second half against Iran, even after Pulisic scored, we saw the Tim Weah goal called back for offsides. Definitely had a chance to go get a second, but he seemed content to park the bus. You know, we can talk about Giovanni Reyna if we want. Shaq Moore playing more minutes than him. No one would have thought that. He looked terrible against uh, Iran as well. So, boys, talking about Greg Berhalter, I'm, I'm leaving it open. I still think... You know, he has bought himself more time at the helm because he got out of this group. But all in all, I'm still not convinced that he's the manager going forward. We, I think we have to talk about Giovanni Reyna playing all of seven minutes. Probably the most talented American in this side. Maybe Tyler Adams has something to say about that just because of how phenomenal he's been in Qatar. But how do we rate Greg Berhalter's, you know, managerial debut at a World Cup? We, we can talk about, you know, how sometimes we've lacked creativity going forward because we don't really have you know, a, a good striker or a great striker. and But that's kind of the way it was through qual- for mo- for, through most of qualifying. But I think the, the biggest thing is that we conceded one goal in this group stage, and it was off a Gareth Bale penalty. And no matter what we did going forward, that's impressive in and of itself, that we were set up so structurally sound that, you know, against against England, we need to concede. Against Iran, we need to concede. And, and against Wales, it's just the one penalty. I think that's a lot to be said about the way Greg set this team up. I think the inclusion of Tim Ream in the back has made all the difference. We've seen Walker Zimmerman, you know, look a little shaky at times with conceding the penalty and sometimes looking shaky in possession against England. But in a game where he knew we were going to possess the ball more against Iran, he put in Cameron Carter-Vickers. That worked well. Some of the substitutions, maybe bringing on Shaq Moore, Haji Wright, those guys haven't really had a huge impact. Um but I think for the most part, U.S. fans, you know, not for the most part, they have to be happy with the way Greg Berhalter for the mo- has has managed this this group stage. Sure, you can talk about Gio Reyna not being included, but I think in, in, in Greg's mind, it's the kind of thing where Gio would be on the field if we found ourselves behind in a game, but we haven't found ourselves in that situation yet. Um, and I think... There are some things you can probably criticize him for. The, the lack of playing Daffer Gio is the main thing. Maybe some of the substitutions. But I think the fact that we've been so structurally sound after how we looked in possession at times in those friendlies leading up to the game, leading up to the tournament against Japan and against Saudi Arabia. You know, we were saying things like if we try and play like this against England, we're going to get torn apart. We, look, we looked more organized than England did. And we've looked, I think, more organized than any of the teams we've played so far. And I think that says a lot about the way Greg set this team up. You know, you can there's been a lot of criticism towards him leading up to this tournament, but he's set this team up well for tournament saga. And it's coming at the right time. Like their criticism for Greg Berhalter is still warranted, and it always has been. When you're in a position of authority in any sport, when you're the coach and things don't go well, you're gonna get uh, criticized for it. And things have not been pretty for the last four years. We know that. I mean, we clawed our way through qualifying. 
by just a few points to finish in the top three spots. So we know that it's not always been sunshine and rainbows, but right now it almost is. Like five points through the group stage is better than a lot of us could have imagined. And I give a lot of credit to Greg Berhalter because the way he set up the team defensively, Nick, you alluded to it, it is night and day from quali- not only just qualifying, even though we were good defensively in qualifying, it's just the personnel change from Tim Ream introducing him has been has been night and day. Tyler Adams coming into his own since joining Leeds has been, I don't want to say night and day because he's always been class, but he has shown another level now, and it's been uh, a remarkable. Eunice Musa coming into his own. Weston McKenney, I mean, I, I, I wanted Gio Reyna to start in central midfield, but Weston McKenney moving into that false winger in the 4-4-2 when we're defending against England was brilliant from Berhalter. They couldn't get into the channels. We didn't let them get any really good scoring opportunities. You think back to the three games and the run of play, we've never really looked threatened that much like towards the end of the Iran game we kind of bunkered we invited the pressure so I understand it was a pragmatic decision to go with 5-4-1 as opposed to bringing on another forward to try to hit him on the counter Um, and a lot of people didn't like that decision but it worked out and that's where we are right now things are working out we're going into a big game against the Netherlands Greg Berhalter has done a good job in setting up the team to get results I think managing the games, he could he could do maybe maybe a bit better. He got beaten to the first substitution in both the Wales and England game, which was really for me what started the sort of contrast between the first a good first half and a good second half. He beat Carlos Caros to the first subs in the in the Iran game, but unfortunately those subs were pretty defensive and Aronson was just to address Pulisic's injury. So I, I still think there's room for improvement from Greg, but I, I cannot you can't tell me that I shouldn't be satisfied with what he's done. And you look at what happened I know we're gonna get into it, what happened to Mexico and Canada, that I have to be very happy with, with Greg Berhalter. And if I'm thinking back to it, that that's that's a tough group. Like I know I know like Iran Wales winnable games, we probably should have won both. This is a difficult group to have gotten out of like three very different teams different profiles we managed each of them differently we looked at them individually got the best out of our players in each of those matches for 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 my money i think so it's got to be like an eight and eight and a half out of ten from greg thus far and um i'm really confident going into the netherlands game which i didn't think i'd be saying because this this team has shown a fearlessness and a resilience that um i wasn't sure they were going to show after qualifying and now they're showing it and I feel like they're definitely buying what Greg's selling. And these guys are going to go into a, into a game where instead of Iran, where they're going to have all of the ball, now they're going to be playing with the ball and against the ball because Netherlands like to possess. So I think that plays into our hands even a little bit better. It's going to be a tough game, but I like I like our odds. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, as you may have been, I know I'm not the biggest U.S. men's national team fan, as Keenan Get mentioned earlier. Um so as someone, oh, I'm sorry, but Morocco have just scored a second. Um, but as uh, the stream's a little behind, but we'll catch maybe, it. Oh, maybe sorry. it's a minute behind. <laughs> um, but um, you know, obviously, you know, seeing the team play, uh, you know, I, I I would say that I was impressed with how um, how they played uh, through all three games. You know, I, I do agree that Wales it should have been more than just a point, uh, just because of a poor challenge. But you know, if you took a look at the group uh, as a whole, you know. Um, Obviously, I I picked uh, the U.S. to get out of the group stages just because you know it's the U.S. But um, you know, I, I I didn't expect to see this level of performance. And you know, you know, if 
if Pulisic's uh, shot goes, uh, you know, if it doesn't go off the bar against England, then, you know, there, there could be a case that we are, you know, the group winners and we go against uh, Senegal. But um, looking forward uh, to the game on Saturday, obviously, you know, uh, the, Netherlands, uh, the Netherlands did um, win their group. So, you know, it's no small feat to do that. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. And uh, I can't wait to see it at 10 a.m. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe I'm the most irrational when it comes to criticizing Burhalter and I'll own that title. But to James, your point. Three very different teams and three different formats in terms of how the U.S. was going to play because we went into that Wales game and, you know, some of the pundits were saying we bossed that first half. I didn't really buy that. You know, that's how Wales plays. They sit in and, you know, probably realized at the half we're better than this, brought on Kiefer Moore, and things started to open up for them. Against England, it was what you expected playing a top side and, you know, not going to really be in possession, even though they held their own when they were in possession, created chances going forward, looked to sting off, off the counter, Kying playing the second team on the field, not really asserting their dominance unless they were given the opportunity to do so. And then against Iran, you expected them to come out and, you know, sit back, and they really didn't. They looked to you know, get forward when they could off the counter and, you know, Pulisic gets that first goal and then, you know, Greg goes to five in the back, which I was a little skeptical of just because we've never seen them play that formation. And, you know, there was that challenge slash hold by Cameron Carter-Vickers, which there was nothing in that to be a penalty, but, you know, you saw it and then you cut to the replay and you see his hand on your his shoulder and you thought maybe there's a chance that's a penalty, which would just be absolutely gut-wrenching. But, at the end of the day, I think Greg set this team up to succeed against three challenging opponents. And, you know, knowing what you had to do in that last group stage game on Tuesday against Iran, go in and, you know, do everything you can to be in a favorable position. I think my only concern going against the Netherlands is you can say it in that Wales game, too. It's when the U.S. gets a lead, I still think there's. You know, maybe I don't even think it's culture on the field. I think it, we saw it with Greg's substitutions as well. It's we score one, let's sit in. And a, a team like the Netherlands, and we've seen them get out of a, you know, what turned out to be a pretty tough group. You know, Ecuador, I think, exceeded a lot of expectations. James, we were pretty high on them when we cut that promo for one on one. We said, you know, we, we watched them play in, you know, South American qualifying, a young team. Um, Respect. Thanks, guys. Well, I think we didn't do it for you. We did it because we genuinely believe that they're a good team, Nick. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and they got they cramp. got they got real unlucky. Uh, they got real unlucky. Yeah, but so for the Netherlands to get out of that group, we know that they're you know have a lot of potency going forward. It's going to be a game in which you know, as we saw in that uh, Iran game as well. Knockout football is entirely different because when you're nil nil against England in the 84th minute. Even though it looked like the U.S. had the better of opportunities in that second half, you know, if you're one nil up or still zero zero in the closing moments of regular regular time in the knockouts, the, a team like the Netherlands that has so much height in their defensive line, so much experience, you know, Cody Gakpo playing probably the best player at this World Cup so far, it's just going to be a tall task if the U.S. somehow gets a lead and tries to sit in. I think they're going to have to be more aggressive. But talking about that Netherlands game, I think that is a game, you know, everybody wants to see Gio Reyna play. I think he will be subbed on, you know, maybe halftime, maybe a little bit into the second half. I think to Nick's point, you know, maybe people are waiting to see him come into a game where it's, you know, the U.S. is trailing to create something going forward. I think Greg has seen everything he's need to from, 
you know, I think Josh Sargent and Haji Wright in his mind are interchangeable. Sargent's had a really strong World Cup in two of his starts. I think when his number's called against Netherlands, in my opinion, it would make sense to plug in a Gio Reyna just because when Haji Wright was introduced against Iran, I know that they weren't trying to go forward, but he didn't hold up the ball well. I think Reyna is going to force Greg's hand to be slotted in off the bench in a close game against the Netherlands. You know, hold up play, turn towards goal and create maybe on the counter, depending on how that game looks. But all in all, I think Greg Berhalter, despite all the criticism he's faced, has proven himself not only from a culture perspective, but from a managerial perspective to be the boss of this United States team going forward. And I think we have to say, I'd like to believe there's a chance against the Netherlands, but Nick, James, I think, are we all optimistic? I think that Pulisic's injury kind of depends a lot about how this team is going to set up, just because I think if he's in the starting 11, they're going to be a lot more attack-minded. As you know, as good as Brendan Aronson is in a replacement or a Giovanni Reina is in a replacement, I think Pulisic dominates the culture of this team so much that if he's not in that starting 11, they might start a little more timid. But if he's fit to play, I really like our chances against the Dutch. I'm feeling confident, too. Also, you know, those, I've, I watched the Dutch slog through that Senate opening game against Senegal. Did not look great against Ecuador throughout most of that, you know, second half. And I think there's that's a team with, with holes in it that, that, that we can exploit. And, you know, before the tournament, if you said, you know, it's us against the Netherlands in the round of 16, I probably would have said, okay, so we're going to go out in the round of 16. But just the, the way our team is set up right now, it's it's just so structurally sound and perfect for tournament soccer that, you know, you know it, it feels a little bit like, you know, we can go out there and get, you know, a 1-0 if we need to or a 2-0, and, and we're going to be structurally sound at the back, and it's just about getting a goal. And in a, in a knockout tournament, that's exactly what you need. And, of course, the Netherlands have dangerous players. We've all seen what Cody Gakpo can do. Of course, they've got, you know, elite defenders in Van Dyke and Nathan Ake and, and DeLict. But I think from what we've seen in this group stage – I think there's no reason not to be confident. And, you know, even if for some reason Pulisic can't go, I think that's one position where we have depth, where we could put Brendan Aronson in there or Gio Reyna, or there's options that we could we could use if Pulisic can't go, but I feel like he will be able to go. Um, I'm just excited, and I think this is, I have a different feel about this game than, than maybe about Belgium in 2014, where it was kind of just, I, I don't know, give it a go a little bit. In, in terms of mindset in in this game I'm I'm confident that we can that we can really push the Netherlands and 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 give it a good run and I think this is the best shot we've got to get to the quarterfinals since since 2002 yeah and it for me the, if if the US can pull off a win against the Netherlands it would be the greatest achievement in US soccer history both on the men's and women's side because if you look at the US's record at World Cups since 1930 our best finish is the quarterfinals in 0-2, and we played Mexico in that round of 16, a team that we were very familiar with and probably, even at the time, pretty much just as good as. The women's team have won the World Cup now four times. We have only made it to the, to the quarterfinals of a World Cup as the men's team once. So beating the Netherlands and going to the final eight at the World Cup would be a massive achievement. It would be groundbreaking for soccer in this country. And you think back to that being the reality when you look at the last eight years of this U.S. soccer program, that is huge. So the opportunity moving forward, I'm not just optimistic because I think the U.S. can win it. I'm optimistic because of what it could mean for U.S. soccer. It could mean 
pretty much everything. And then you look at the other the other game, Australia Argentina. If are you expect Argentina to go through, I don't want to look too far ahead because you can only play what's in front of you. But the U.S. should they take down the Netherlands would probably have a date with Messi in the quarterfinals. And can you just think about the spectacle that would be? The U.S. against Messi in the quarters, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, we'd probably get uh, torn apart, if you ask me. I don't know, though. <laughs> Argent- has Argentina- I don't think Argentina's looked that strong. They were amazing against Poland yesterday. Uh, uh, against Poland, but the first two group matches. I True. Think True. First think- two groups, they did not look If Messi's impressive. dribbling at Tim Ream, give me Tim Ream. Give me Tyler Adams. Every day of Messi- the week. Guess what positions Messi's been playing? Ten. Give me Tyler Adams. Marking him all day. But with that said, I- I- we can't look past the Netherlands because... While optimistic, we are still the underdogs. We know we know that to be true. Um, we don't have players as good as Memphis. We don't have players as good as Frankie De Jong or Van Dijk or Delict or they or even Stefan De Vrij, who's going to be on the bench on this game. You have to expect uh, it, we're going to be looking at a different profile to play against because they like to play a back three. So it it's there's a lot of challenges that are different coming into this one, and it's a tough tougher team than than we faced with the exception of England. But I still think that they have certain weapons that can hurt us in the way England couldn't. England chose not to bring on Marcus Rashford. I thought he would have provided a lot in behind the U.S. defense, which is where if a team can get in behind our defense, then they're going to have a good chance at, at uh, scoring goals against us, which is what has not happened yet, is we've only conceded one goal on a penalty to a player who plays in Major League Soccer. Um, that is That is the truth. That is what happened at the World Cup. And I think I think like a player like Memphis. Uh, sorry, sorry, I had to get that out. There. I know it was coming. I know the du- the Dutch have have a more. I don't want to say more prolific wingers and forwards because that's not necessarily true. Harry Kane's a top five striker in the world, but Harry Kane's not necessarily a guy who's going to stretch your back line as far as it can go. I'm worried that the Netherlands have players that can do that, and that's how they are going to score goals against us if they do. Um, so. Tactically, that's what I'm going to be looking for from the Netherlands: is can they get in behind our defense, and can we can they get us to turn and face our own goal, which is something that has really only happened when Walker Zimmerman had to clear it off the line after it squeaked through Turner's legs. So, as scary a moment as that was, the relief of watching Thor kick that out for a throw-in was 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 a beautiful thing. And we all talk about the strength of the U.S. team in the midfield, and that is where the strength is going to lie again this Saturday. Musa McKenney Adams have been unbelievably good. They're getting getting uh, like people are cl- acclaiming about them all over the world. They've they've been amazing. All three of their price tags after this World Cup have gone up drastically. Eunice Musa is going to play for a top side in England. His Valencia yeah. days are numbered. He, yeah, he's moving on up, and for good reason. I mean, he made Jude Bellingham look like a child, even though technically he is, but uh, <laughs> he still made him look like one, and. Oh man, that's just I just love that Eunice Musa balling out against England. They were probably the English fans were probably so mad watching that. It was great. Uh, anyway, uh, the strength for the Netherlands also lies in midfield because a guy like Frankie De Jong, um, he can pick apart teams unlike any player we've played against. I, I know England had a very good midfield when we w- went out against them, but the difference in defending against Mason Mount and Frankie De Jong is going to be very different. So I don't know. We'll see. And Cody Gakpo, you talked about him. He's been player of the tournament worthy thus far so there's a lot of weapons that the netherlands have that can can, that can beat us and that that's what is what i want to talk about but again going back to it i am still optimistic because the u.s midfield has looked like a top 10 midfield at this world cup and because everyone's feeling it right now you know it was we we overcame the odds in the group stage and everyone's positive so 
I I like I like the feeling of this, and I think once the ball starts rolling, those ninety minutes, it's going to be a battle. I think we might even get into extra time. The U.S. has an opportunity to represent Concacaf as the lone gr- team out of Concacaf to make it to the knockouts. We're going to have to see what Costa Rica does today against Germany. They're slotted in Group E, currently sitting third behind Japan on goal difference, both with three points. Japan takes on Spain. Costa Rica takes on Germany. Those games kick off at 2 o'clock Eastern today to figure out what's going on in Group E because technically everyone's still alive. Um, Germany will have to beat Costa Rica and have Spain drop point, uh, beat Japan in order to get through. But I think we have to talk about Tata Martino failing to get it done with Mexico. He stepped down yesterday or was fired, however you want to look at it. He took a lot of credit for Mexico's failure to get out of Group C with Argentina going top, who the United States will face, hypothetically, in the knockout round of eight. Uh, Poland also gets through on goal difference. It was going to come down to fair play points had Mexico not conceded late against Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia, after taking down Argentina in the opening match, kind of gets another champion moment taking Mexico out of the World Cup. Canada is also playing right now against Morocco. They are down 2-0. I think a very big disappointment for this Canadian national team who had made it back to the World Cup for the first time in what was seeming forever. Um, Had a really strong first match against Belgium. Penalty saved by Courtois. A game that Belgium probably should have lost but managed to win. And then get absolutely trounced by Croatia. Now playing for pride, maybe withholding Morocco from going through into the knockouts, a team that I don't think anybody saw getting out of this group. They're down 2-0, so it looks like Canada will go pointless at this World Cup. But, you know, coming into this World Cup for the United States, it was also this question of, you know, Canada emerged and finished top of CONCACAF in qualifying. Mexico, their old nemesis, you know, seemingly always recently it's been the United States but that rivalry has been strong and you know the United States not making the World Cup in 2018 was another you know feather in the cap of Mexico saying we're still the you know CONCACAF giant they don't get through boys you know whether it be Tata Martino playing too aggressive too late against Saudi Arabia you know a lot of managerial decisions throughout that group that I think a lot of people you know wanted him removed before the World Cup and that kind of this World Cup kind of solidified his removal and then John Herdman the coach of Canada after that Belgium game perhaps thinking his team is is too good if you guys saw that quote he said you know we should have won this game we're going to go beat the f out of Croatia lost four to one I'm just wondering you know maybe we can still reference the United States but just in terms of CONCACAF the United States obviously maybe the only team to advance. We have to see what Costa Rica does. But what does this failure for Mexico mean? What does this failure for Canada mean? You know, both those two countries alongside the United States will host in 2026. I think at least one of them wanted to get out of the group. I mean, obviously both did, but from a CONCACAF perspective, you'd probably want more than one team. Or, you know, if Costa Rica makes it through, Costa Rica, let's be honest, has looked pretty terrible at this World Cup, a late winner, excuse me, against Japan. So... I think from a CONCACAF perspective, you wanted more than the United States in there, but from the Mexican Federation side and from the Canadian Federation side, what does this failure mean for them moving forward? And, you know, how I don't want to say how do they recover from this because, you know, it's a long four years until the next World Cup, but seemingly disappointment for both our northern and southern neighbors. 
it's it's been it's been a little disappointing for for Concacaf in this tournament. I think I'll start with Canada. Canada played so well for most of that game against Belgium. They were the better team. They had the penalty that Davies missed. They were creating chances left and right. They just could not finish to save their lives. They get hit on the counter on that Batshuayi goal, and they lose one nil. And then you think they're going to rebound against Croatia. They get that early goal from Davies. That's Canada's signature World Cup moment. And then the defense just kind of folds, and Croatia is able to pass through them four times. More than that, it could have been more. And and they win 4-1, and now they're folding a little bit here against Morocco. I think Canada will be disappointing, especially the way they started this tournament, playing well against a team like Belgium. I feel like they could have gotten a point there at least, and that would have changed maybe the 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 landscape of how they approach the rest of this group. But I don't think there's a way to spin, you know, going pointless in a positive way. This is the, of course, this is the first time in forever that they've been here. But I think when you look at teams in the group and, and the way Canada performed against Croatia, it was disappointing. The only real positive is the performance against Belgium. But even then, you, you, you found a way to lose 1-0. What was that? Just Canada scored. Yeah, it's two one. <laughs> Canada now. scored two one, so they could get back and get a point. Um, but I think either way, Canada after disappointed. Oh, awful goal. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and I think the Can- I mean, we saw Canada top Concacaf, but you know, in a World Cup situation, just not quite up to it this year. On the Mexican side of things, I think it's a lot more structural the problem as opposed to to a team like Canada who maybe just lacks the talent in some positions. Mexico, I think it's a, we could talk about, you know, the, the shortcomings of the Mexican Federation for hours and, and what they, what they're doing at at a youth level. That's, that's falling short of maybe what the United States is doing at this point. And, you know, fans have been calling for Tosh Martino's head really for a long time that, you know, summer of 2021, losing the two cup finals to the U S and just looking really poor a lot of the time. Um, Martino's now gone, and Mexico just, in my opinion, didn't show enough creativity going forward in this tournament. It looked like this was the worst Mexican side I've seen at a tournament in in a long, long time. And for CONCACAF, it, it, I mean, the United States right now is the only saving grace. I mean, Costa Rica could go through if they managed to get a result against Germany, but, you know, who knows about that? And they, they got embarrassed against Spain in, in one of the most one-sided games I've ever seen in my entire life. So it seems like right now we're the ones holding CONCACAF together and we're, we're, the, we're the beacon that you show the rest of the world because for the rest of this federation, it's been a little bit disappointing. And especially the way Canada breezed through qualifying, I, I would have expected, you know, at least something from to take away from this World Cup. Or even be, just be in a position where you be could Be a position where through. on the last match day you could go through. And... They they needed that. I think they needed once they didn't get that point against Belgium in a game that they dominated so much. You know, Croatia is such an experienced side; they were able to just pick their way through. But the bottom line is, Concacaf has underperformed at this tournament. But if the United States can somehow make it to the quarterfinals, it looks a lot better. I, I really wanted to see Canada do well, um, just because you know if Concacaf does well, it's good for the U.S. But watching Mexico go out in the group stage and they didn't even reach. El Cuarto Partido was so much fun to watch. I enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, we could talk about the the shortcomings of the Mexican Federation for, you know, over the last couple decades has been awful. But I'll just point to some of the Mexico men's national team shortcomings. 
They lost the Gold Cup in the Nations League. They didn't qualify for the U-20 World Cup, didn't qualify for the 2024 Olympics, and this is like the first time in 11 World Cups that they haven't gotten out of the group stage. This has been the worst year in Mexican national uh, soccer history. And if you look back at the last few years, in 2018 World Cup, they needed help from, from South Korea to get out of the group. In the 2014 World Cup, they needed help from the U.S. just to qualify. This has been a bad spell of a decade for, for the Mexican national team. And it the exclamation point now is failing to get out of the group for the first time in forever. This it, Make no mistake about it, Mexico are in shambles at the moment. And they know that better than anybody because they've been calling for Tata Martino's head for a couple years now. Because they know that things have been trending in the wrong direction. They want to see things better. And that's where that's where the federation comes in. Um, they've not been doing good things for, for their... Uh, country's footballing status for such a such a football loving country uh, such a big country too they should be better than they are and they're not as for Canada you know they're one of those teams where having not qualified for the World Cup since 1986 you'd think that they're the team that goes we're just happy to be here but they showed in qualifying that they had the quality to get out of this group and if I'm looking at the four teams in their group right now in group F the, f- the two teams that deserve to get out are Croatia and Morocco, and as the live standings would have it, those are the two teams that get out. Belgium have been bad. Belgium have been bad in both of their games, and they're getting outplayed by Croatia currently as we're watching it. Croatia, I think John Herdman made a big mistake saying uh, we're going to go out and F Croatia because uh, they have been the best team in this group. They've been better than Belgium, and they showed their World Cup experience. They just outclassed Canada, even though you know Canada cl- clearly came out wanting to win. They felt hungry after that Belgian performance that we can get six points left out of these two remaining matches, and they just ran out of gas and got completely steamrolled by a much better opponent in Croatia. But I, I wouldn't say it's it's all bad news for Canada. I mean, they, they have a bright future, arguably a brighter future than even Mexico at this point. Mexico only brought one player under the age of 24 to this World Cup, and it was 23-year-old Kevin Alvarez, uh, right back. So the, things are not incredibly um, inspiring right now for the Mexican uh, national team program, whereas things in Canada are. You've still got Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies are still probably in front of their primes in their careers. You think you got a couple more years in them, they're going to be playing their best football. And, you know, there's going to be some turnover uh, within CONCACAF now because Costa Rica eliminated themselves effectively after that 7-0 loss to Spain, even though they came back with a really good win against Japan. I mean, that's Japan's a good team. They smacked us around a month before the World Cup started. So we, we, know, we know all too well what that team can do. And Costa Rica came away with a good win, but conceding seven goals in the fir- in the opener you're not going to come back from that um, and they would need a miracle over Germany today I hope they prove me wrong because I'd like to see the Ticos um, wave the CONCACAF flag into the round of 16 yet again but I don't know if that's going to happen um, as, as for the scope of CONCACAF goes yeah this is a blemish especially since we're going to be hosting the World Cup in four years we're getting more spots and yeah no, we're going to get we're, we could get as many as as eight or nine because with US Mexico and Canada already automatically qualifying we could get up to six more bids which would mean it go from uh, from who's the fourth team Costa Rica all the way down to maybe Curacao so I don't know it, it could it could be it could be an embarrassment <laughs> at the 2026 World Cup but I I'm just I'm happy that the U.S. gets to be the flag bearers for the region into the round of 16, and hopefully Costa Rica can join them. But if, with that being the case, I mean, it, the region itself has has been disappointing. 
Um, the U.S. have far and away been playing the best football, and we talk about we talk about the U.S. and Mexico both struggling to be able to create goals, but Mexico have looked way worse in that regard, even though they scored two really good goals yesterday against Saudi Arabia. That Luis Chavez free kick was phenomenal. Um, a guy who hadn't even been into the Mexican national team before the calendar year 2022. So you think about... You think about some of the stories they have there. They're bringing in a 26, 27-year-old central midfielder who plays domestically in Liga MX to come and be their goal scorer at the World Cup. They've got problems. And they're going to address them. They're going to try to fix everything because this is a disaster akin to the U.S. missing the World Cup for Mexico. So, um, I mean, things are looking bleak in CONCACAF, but the U.S. can hopefully be a, a glimmer of hope with this game against the Netherlands. And and I think they're, they're going to at least... Even if even if the U.S. go down, they're gonna they're gonna command respect from the rest of the world with the way that they play. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, when you have four teams and potentially only having one of your nations going through is definitely a, a bad look on them. Um, you know, as for Mexico, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, they always made it out of the group stage for what the past eleven. Uh, but it it was the uh, el quinto partido that was the issue. Uh, but as you said, they couldn't even make it. Obviously, the head coach uh, resigned, so you know I I expect uh, some things to change for them. As for Canada, it's basically you know uh, just repeating what you said. You know, obviously, it's a it's a younger side. You know, they definitely have a lot of potential. Obviously, you know, they should have gotten more than the loss against Belgium, and then you know when you lose your first game, it just you know it reduces your odds of getting out of the group. You know, by a lot. Um, you know, I, I at least they've scored a couple of goals, so at least you know. Uh, they can say that they scored in the in the tournament, um, but yeah, uh, you know when when you see that they topped uh, the Concacaf standings, uh, you know it is a bit sad uh, to see them cr- uh, crash out with potentially zero points. But uh, you know th- the future does look bright uh, for Canada, and like you said, with the three nations hosting it in twenty twenty six. Uh, you know, something tells me that they're going to quickly uh, f- forget about this and use this as a as a potentially a building moment for uh, for the next World Cup. Yeah, boys. So after going through the U.S., going through the CONCACAF, there's still a ton of other teams left. And, you know, we can go up and down the groups. Netherlands and Senegal through. Argentina, Poland through. England, U.S. through. France and Australia. Surprise out of Group D. I've, I think, you know, James, both and I, you and I had Denmark getting through with the French. A failure for the Danes in that respect. You know, failing to get a result. They needed to at least score one. They had to beat Australia, end up losing 1-0 to Australia. Spain, Japan, Costa Rica, and Germany all still alive in Group E. Group F, we're watching it now. It looks like it will be Croatia and Morocco, but Belgium still can get through You know, if they get a win. Group G, Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Serbia. That third spot is still up for... Second spot, excuse me, still up for grabs. Brazil already qualified. And then in Group H, Portugal, Ghana, South Korea, Uruguay, Portugal already qualified, everything else up for grabs. I think that Group H is where I want to start my focus. If you guys have other storylines we want to go through, we can talk about how poor Belgium's been. But Uruguay versus Ghana, a chance for the 2010 revenge for the Ghanaian side that famously lost in the quarterfinals to Uruguay after a Luis Suarez, a young Luis Suarez, before everyone knew how much of a rat he was, that was his coming out of the closet moment and exposing himself as one of the, you know, maybe wildest characters in world football. You know, the decisive handball on the line in a press conference this morning in Qatar. I guess it would be yesterday for us here in the states. 
He was asked about that handball. He said, I don't need to say sorry. I'm not the one who missed the penalty. He's so right. An ulti- He's correct. An ultimate, sla- words. Ul- ultimate slap in the face to the Ghanaian you know, team that Uruguay took down in 2010. I think also, you know, saying that on top of the reminder that they were the only African team to make it to the quarter uh to the quarterfinals in that World Cup hosted in South Africa everyone you know was pulling for them it would have been a goal had he not handballed that off the line ultimately losing in penalty did the Ghanaians do but they could seemingly rectify that by beating Uruguay or at least drawing with Uruguay and a draw would see them essentially through barring South Korea taking down Portugal um you know if South Korea happens to beat Portugal by one goal, then it would go down to fair play points between Ghana and South Korea. I don't know where the two teams stand on that, but I think Ghana wants to go out there and you know finally remove that bitter taste they have in their mouth that they've had since 2010. You know all the animos- animosity towards Luis Suarez and an Uruguay side, James, that we were pretty high on coming into this World Cup. Um, you know, still have the two old heads. And a couple more old heads. They still have Suarez and Cavani playing. Diego Godin in the back line. When will Muslera retire? We don't really know. But, you know, still a really young nucleus, whether it's Darwin Nunes, McAllister, you know, a, a pretty young side for Uruguay that seemingly just hasn't been able to get the ball rolling. A draw, nil-nil to South Korea, 2-0 loss in the second half to Portugal. Uh, with Ronaldo claiming a goal that just, you know, didn't t- nah. <laughs> didn't touch him. So that's that's one I have my eyes fixated on um, for tomorrow, that Group H, you know, re- resolution, as we might call it, with Portugal already through and that final spot up to grabs. I- I'm really excited for that Ghana-Uruguay match. Um, for anyone and everyone that doesn't remember 2010, I still think that has so much to do with the relationship between these two sides. It's not just another World Cup match. It's it's one that means something for Ghana more than probably anything else in the group. And they've actually played, in my opinion, above expectations. You know, tough loss to Portugal in a, a wild second half, taking care of business against South Korea, and now they have a date with Destiny and Luis Suarez. Yeah, even though Asamojan is is long gone. Not 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 quite in the fold in the Ghanaian fold anymore at age thirty seven. Did you look up the guy who took the penalty? That's you know that's Mojan. He's, he's going to get knocked the US, US out in twenty ten. Oh. Well, the more you know. I didn't know there were a captain of the Black Stars, man. Sorry. Played sorry. for who do you play for in the Prem? Like Sunderland or something? I think Sunderland. Yeah. Alright, anyway, continue. So Good although player. he's long gone, Luis Suarez is still just about still playing professional football. And Uruguay have looked vulnerable at this World Cup so far. They haven't when you know when you look up and down their squad list and you look at who they're who they're who they're playing with, you think this is a team that, you know, based on names alone should be performing better than they have so far at this tournament, whether it's in the midfield, you know, Benton Corval Verde Vecino's a solid, solid trio in the middle. You know, whether it's Cavani or Suarez up front, you know, alongside Nunez, again, that seems like a capable attack, but things just haven't quite gelled yet for the Uruguayans. And, you know, that's definitely a game where you know how much Ghana want this win. You know, there's players who, if they're if you're on the younger side, you know, this was 12 years ago now, you still remember 
when that happened as a kid, if you're 23 and this is your first World Cup, do you still remember 2010 and being in the quarterfinals and being this close to advancing in the semifinals of the World Cup? And, you know, a player seemingly robbed you, you know, you, you, they're going to be pumped up for this game. And, you know, Ghana had a good performance against South Korea, and I would not write them off at all to beat Uruguay. I think Portugal have been, you know, by far and away the best team in this group. Bruno Fernandes has performed very, very well, you know, getting those two goals against Uruguay. And I think I've been a little disappointed by the Uruguayans, but I think, and I wouldn't be stunned if, if Ghana came out and, and beat them, but there's also just so much tournament experience in this Uruguayan team. This is really a, a must-win game for them. And these are peop- these are guys who, you know, you think back to 2014, they had, they had a must-win game again after dropping their first game against Costa Rica. It was a must-win game on the last match day against Italy. They had to beat both England and Italy to go through, and they did b- both those things and advanced to the round of 16. And, you know, those guys, Godin, Suarez, Cavani, those guys are still around, Muslera. And so they've been there before. It's going to be a very, very interesting game to see if whether, whether or not Uruguay can kick it into gear or if Ghana can sort of finally relinquish those demons from, from 12 years ago. Each of the groups that are left are still like wide open. I, I, like that's, that's what's fun about the World Cup. Like we knew going into the uh, Group C finale that this is going to come down to the last minute. Mexico will need several goals. Uh, Poland will need to win. Saudi Arabia will need several goals, etc. There were so many factories that could have weighed into the outcome and the same thing goes for group g and h and uh group e which uh which is playing later today and group f which is currently going on now with the exception of canada um i think this this portugal team has impressed me more than i more than i um gave them credit for i i they did not look super convincing and qualifying had to go to the playoff behind serbia and that for me was a big indication that maybe this team does not have what it takes in the biggest of moments but so far, so good. You know, they've they've only they've they, they've only just gone and played better than both the teams that they've played against, and that's all that you can ask for in a tournament. You have to beat the teams that are in front of you, and that's what they've done. And with that said, they probably face their easiest opponent of the three in South Korea. Not an easy opponent by any standards, but uh, they play in a, they play a, a decent team, but probably easier than both of the other two. And looking looking back at how. That Ghana South Korea game went. I mean, you've you've got to be a little bit concerned with um, conceding goals because Ghana can score goals and they can they can do a pretty good job at doing it. And even when their backs are against the walks, because South Korea took it to them in that second half and Ghana still came out on top. That was a big performance. Portugal. Um, I did not think they were going to do much in this group. I thought they were going to narrowly get in behind Uruguay. Now Uruguay have to not only win the match but overcome goal difference in order to uh in order and overcome some goal difference and hope that Ghana also don't come away with a win. So I mean sorry, they're playing Ghana. I mean they have to win and come overcome goal difference in case South Korea win, excuse me. So it's not gonna be an easy task for them. And I'm just really shocked that they have not played a prettier style of play, especially with Valverde who's been unbelievable. I thought I th- I thought Valverde was going to be what Cody Gakpo is at this World Cup. And not, that's not to say that I didn't I also have high expectations for Cody Gakpo. A lot of people were saying that about him. Um, and I, I think Uruguay now find themselves in a really tough predicament, perhaps more difficult than what they found themselves in in 2014 after losing that opening game. So th- this, is, this is uncharted territories for them trying to claw their way out of a group that they 
probably should be one of the two best teams in. As as for Ghana, I mean, the emotions of this game could could be enough to just carry them over the edge. A draw, and they should be in, uh, provided South Korea don't you know score loads of goals in a win. So Ghana, I I I I predict Group H to go out the way it looks now, because I don't think Ghana um, are going to let themselves lose to Uruguay after what happened in 2010, and I also think Ghana are probably better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. And Uruguay, while I was once very high on them, I'm no longer uh, going to die on that hill. Uh, I I believe the Ghanaians will get through, and I believe that they're going to do it in a dramatic fashion over over Uruguay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that this group, you know, has been full of drama. I mean, don't forget in the Portugal Ghana game, Ghana almost equalized in what was one of the final kicks of the game, yeah. but with that uh, horrible goalkeeping error. So, um, you know, Ghana definitely has what it takes to progress. Um, you know, going back to the Ghana uh, game, uh, that's tomorrow. Obviously, you know. Uh, the, uh, the history that you mentioned so uh i'm gonna say that ghana will advance as well which is uh, a shame because i kind of wanted a um i wanted uruguay uh, to make it through but um you know obviously they haven't played as well as as, as they could have i'm if, if i'm not mistaken their match against south korea didn't have a single shot on target i think i i remember seeing that somewhere um so you know a, a bit of a shame uh with the talents that they have uh, obviously, uh, a Portugal, you know, they got the job done in both games, you know, uh, because now they're qualified. I, they're not confirmed as the as the group winners yet, if I'm not mistaken. But all they need is a point, um, and it's and and they are facing South Korea, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Portugal do. But I do expect Ghana uh, to also get out of the group. Boys, as we wrap here, I think USA. I think we can say job finished. Job almost finished, depending how job's not done. Job's not done. Uh, well, I'm turn. Nope. In terms of expectations, I think they're there. I think if they beat Netherlands, then job is done. I think I think Bearhalter has four more years at the helm if he wants it. Yeah, getting out of the group. I think so too. Right now, bring like, it on. <laughs> I think I want four more years of Shaq Moore, baby. Uh, I think that happens if they if they win on Saturday. So if they win, he gets a lifetime appointment. Right, <laughs> he'll be the new Tata Martino. But um, before we end, I think next week we will be through the round of sixteen, starting the quarterfinals. Yeah. I I, I think you know I, I well, let's just all say the U.S. is going to make it to the quarterfinals because we are patriots and we love our nation. Any teams that we expect, you know, to turn some heads. My my pick. And I know a lot of these groups are unresolved, so if you want to choose somebody from the group to, you know, still hasn't qualified, you think gets out of the group and makes it to the quarters, my big upset is I'm taking Senegal over England. You can't Ooh. steal that from me. I think, was, I'm happy that we're not playing Senegal and that we're playing the Netherlands. Same. I agree, same, yeah. Same. And I'm also happy that it didn't end up being Ecuador either. I'm happy we're playing the Netherlands. I know the Netherlands are the best of those three teams, and I'm happy we're playing them. They're the, For me, at least, they're the most fundamentally solid in terms of they play the same system throughout yeah and i think that gives the united states a better chance to match up against them and also in the run of play kind of get their bearings because we've seen that senegal team and that ecuadorian team throughout group play you know against the run of play be so dominant and also be able to create chances i don't want to say so willy-nilly but you know create them seemingly out of nothing where at least for the dutch it felt like most of their goals were through sustained buildup. I know I just took Senegal over England, so that's off the board, Nick. So, you know, Poland, are they going to shock the world and 
you know, make some noise against France? Is Australia going to do Argentina over? Who's getting out of Group E? What are you thinking? Of 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 the knockout games that that we that are that are set right now, I think the only upset we see or could possibly see is setting all over England. I think Argentina have grown stronger after each game, and I think they're going to continue to do that against against Australia. You know, even though the French dropped that game against Tunisia, I don't think they'll have any any problems against against Poland. Group E, that's an interesting one. Whether or not the Germans go through, I think they will. I think Spain will take care of business against Japan. I think Germany beats Costa Rica and goes through. You know, in terms of in terms of big upsets, I think the Senegal England one is the only one that sticks out to me right now. I could see I couldn't see France losing to Poland. And I don't really see a world where Argentina loses to Australia. But I do see a world where Senegal beats England, and I do see a world where the USA beats the Netherlands, and those would both be considered, on a global scale, upsets. You know, in the rest of this, on this, of, of these groups, I think, you know, we'll definitely see Brazil go through. I think Switzerland are strong enough to also go through against Serbia, although the, the I, I'm excited for that game, just the political tensions and, you know, the Balkans are crazy sometimes. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game to watch, but... You know, I just I don't want to repeat your point, Keenan, but I I'm I'm literally I'm gonna do that. <laughs> Senegal could totally I think Senegal could 100 percent beat England. I think England are you know that what they showed me in that U.S. game I was so not impressed and and against against Wales they switched some things up they brought in Rashford they brought in you know they and uh, Foden. Phil Foden and they looked better in the second half and you know you really never know but Senegal I've been. Even that first game against the Dutch, they thought they were the better team until until Gakpo put them ahead in the you know in the what late in the game, and I think I think that's that's a that's one that you could keep your eye on. I I would I love the way Cameroon have played at this World Cup. Uh, I the only reason I'm not so keen on them getting out of Group G is because they face Brazil today. I think they're gonna punch back at Brazil. You I mean think tomorrow? Oh yeah, tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, I, I think they're going to punch back at Brazil and going to give them a hard time, but Brazil have, for my money, after France, with the exception of the Tunisia game, because they played, what, 11 new players, pretty much? Um, France have been playing the prettiest uh, soccer w- and Brazil. Um, to, I, I, I'm I a big believer in the tr- champion's curse, and the fact that France broke it is a big deal. They, they could totally win back-to-back World Cups. Um, I'm not going to say that they will or they won't, um, Switzerland, Serbia is again, again one I have circled because I picked Serbia to get out of this group from the beginning because I loved what they did in qualifying to finish above Portugal. Um, but Switzerland probably on paper a more talented team, top to bottom, and they can nick out a draw and go through, I believe. And and uh, Serbia will need the win. Cameroon again, a team that I probably think have been the second best in this group, but because they're playing Brazil, it's shaky. Uh, I, I, Senegal, England was kind of the easy one, you know, after U.S. Netherlands. So, I will say that Serbia to get out of the group if they finish second in Group G. Who do they face? The winner of Group H. Portugal. They play Portugal. Yeah. Give me that rematch. Give me that rematch and give me Serbia because uh, they have their number. Even though Portugal, I think, are a much better team and will probably outplay them for large stretches of that game. Give me Alexander Mitrovic at the death. Uh, header over the aging Pepe. Michael, how much time we got left? 
Uh, I, th- I think we have around. Uh, wait, how much time did you set 60. it for? Sixty. We have less than five minutes, so okay. I'll, yeah. I'll do okay. my quick Where? prediction. Um, so as it stands right now, Morocco is top of the group, and and if uh, Spain goes through, that means it would be Spain against Croatia in the round of sixteen. I think that'd be a a very good match. Um, uh, as I'm saying that right now, Belgium could maybe score. Um, but I, you know, obviously, uh, as they said, the easy answer was uh, a Senegal over England. I'm gonna. So obviously, it, I I think we can all agree that Brazil will top the group. That means that they go up against the runners-up of Group H, which could I think... Could be Uruguay. It could be Uruguay, it could be Ghana, it could be South Korea. But but I, I, I think all of you said that Ghana will beat Uruguay, and then that basically sends them through. I, I could see Brazil losing to them. Yeah. That's going to be my upset because, you know, he, he picked the easy uh, England against well, what a, a is Senegal. What is this slander? So, well, you, you picked it. Well, I, I can't say the exact same thing. It's a bit of a cop-out, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going out of the box. I'm going bold. Why, you know, I'll just say this real quick. While I would like to see upsets, I think it's been a long time at the World Cup that the final eight teams were actually the eight strongest teams in the world. And, you know, I part of me wants to see that. Part of me. So would, you want to see the... Uh, and that's that's what gets me excited for the bottom yeah. half of these bottom yes, groups. Yes. We could still see Croatia and Belgium get totally. through if somehow Canada climbs the ladder. Could you know Group G Brazil and whoever you want to pencil in there, but Portugal, Uruguay, or even you know the the eight we could very well see the best teams in the world. Yes, and and if the quarterfinals, even if it didn't include the U.S., um, God forbid, knock on wood, um, if the final eight of the World Cup were Portugal versus Brazil, Croatia versus Spain, France versus Argentina, and England versus the Netherlands, that would be awesome. Like. That that would be that would be one of the great. It would lead up to one of the greatest World Cup finals ever. You genuinely would see the best country against the best country in the final. Um, you know we've seen paths to semifinals look different for different teams. I mean you think of England in 2018, they beat Colombia and Sweden. The Mickey get, Mouse run yeah, to get to the semifinals. Let's not talk about that. They, sorry, they were a strong Thanks. team. They were a strong team, but like that, they should have had to have taken down a giant in order to get to the semifinal. Hopefully, we'll see some giants fall because that's what this tournament's all about, and it's fun. And you know, we've kind of seen some of that with the upsets and matches. I mean, I guess Denmark not making it out of the group stage is the biggest example of that so far. Uruguay and Germany could follow suit, but I think I think I would like to see. I'm not saying I would like to see. It would be fun to see a World Cup that included just the giants left. Um, but give me give me a U.S. Uh, Mickey Mouse run too if they can do it. Give me Australia. <laughs> That's in the, the only one you want. Yeah. Well, boys, this has been fun. Group play wraps up tomorrow. We will know all sixteen teams by Friday, Saturday. The knockouts kick off. The United States at ten a.m. Eastern taking on the Dutch. We believe in this room. You should be believing at home because what it's else? Unpatriotic not to. Yeah. It's coming home. Yeah, it's coming home. Soccer is coming home. Michael, play that outro. We are done. Thank you for listening. FUVFC. 